morning, everyone. Very warm welcome to all of you to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, the past week has been a very, very wet week, so I'm so glad that today it's not raining, so that people can come on site. And if you are at home joining us online or real time, welcome. So let us now prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We, we are lost and, and we are found, and we are, we are part, part of, of the, the family. family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are part of the family, but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family. Until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. So let us now join the worship team in a time of worshipping together. Trace my steps through all my failures. 
But for the one I call Good Shepherd Who like a lamb was slain for me I will praise you on the mountain I will praise you when the mountains in my way You're the summit where my feet are So I will praise you when the valleys are the same No less God within the shadows No less faithful when the night leads me astray You're the heaven where my heart is In the highlands and the heartache all the same showed me grace 
Good morning, church. My name is Mark, um, and let's um, prepare ourselves for prayer. Just take a few moments to rest in wherever you are and to take in the space around you. Gracious God, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, in both the extraordinary moments and also the mundane, the ups and the downs, the delightful and the dreadful, the abundant and the empty. You are there with us, guiding us when we are lost, comforting us when we are down, inspiring us when we lack the words, and challenging us to hope daringly, bravely, and courageously. Thank you for your love for our community here in FCC, for each and every one of us that you've blessed this community with, whether on-site or online, whether near or far. Each one of us, regardless of the labels we give ourselves or have been given to us by others, remains your beloved child in your arms, who with the guidance of the Holy Spirit is able to recognize and respond to your voice. Lord, we pray that we may never be led astray or dismayed by the earthquakes, the famines and the plagues of our lives. May we never be alarmed by the persecution and opposition that comes with doing your will. Lord, we pray and ask for your guidance to help us to see, to hear, to understand, and to respond. Grant us the courage to always abide in your presence, to breathe into the cracks of our brokenness. Grant us, Lord, your many blessings, so that we as a community 
can hold each other in love. And through despair, through the challenges of work, health and relationships, so that we can be healed through your healing hand that moves within our community and through your spirit. We ask that you grant us spiritual awareness and love for each other and ourselves and provide for each one of us all that we need and more. Although we may not always have everything we want, we know that we have everything we need to thrive. So Lord, we call upon you and ask that you help us as we await in anticipation of the new heaven and earth that will be formed and for the kingdom and the day that it comes. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. In the silences, with words not enough, to 
I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. Testify, says. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences when words are not enough. With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences when words are not enough. With every breath I take, I'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to Good morning and welcome to FCC. If you're joining us um, for the first time today, uh, whether online or uh, in person, welcome. If you have been joining us uh, for many weeks, many years, welcome. Welcome home. Right? Uh, usually for our sermon time, we use uh, menti.com as a way for us to interact a little bit during the sermon. I would love for you, uh, if you could scan the QR code, it will bring you directly into the menti uh, presentation. Um, or, if you like, you can type in fcc.li, L-I, uh, we had to change it a little bit for this season, slash mentee. Uh, it will also take you into um, the slides for today and the questions uh, that we'll be able to interact on a little bit later on, okay? All right. So today, our lectionary passage is a difficult one. What does it mean to have hope in the midst of catastrophe? Was there ever a time in your life when you felt like your whole world was collapsing? Perhaps you received shocking news of a health condition for yourself or a loved one, or it was the loss of someone very dear to you, either through death or a breakup. Or maybe you were even retrenched from your job suddenly without warning. Whatever that situation was, it certainly felt like a catastrophe to you. Or maybe you are looking at the world right now and it feels like the world is collapsing. The wars, the uprisings, the political tensions between nations, the soaring inflation, the ongoing climate crisis, the world seems to be falling apart and it can sometimes feel catastrophic. When we are in the midst of catastrophes, it can be very difficult to have hope. Everything around us goes dark and it feels like we have lost it all. And the question deep in our hearts is, 
Does God understand what I or we are going through? Does God even care? And how can I or we have hope even in the midst of such catastrophe? You know, Jesus talked about an impending catastrophe with his followers days before he died. And he told them what to expect, but more importantly, what they could do when it happens. And this is found in Luke chapter 21. And let me just read it to you. It starts from verse 5. And it says, When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. And the end, but the end will not follow immediately. And then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes and in, and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, even worse news, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. And this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance for I, I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. What a difficult passage of Scripture, right? This passage is a difficult one not just to preach on, but also to hear. Jesus was warning his disciples about what was going to happen to them as well as what was going to happen to the temple in Jerusalem. But what temple was Jesus really referring to? So I wanted to give you some background, okay? If you go to Israel today, and some of you, uh, we went to Israel together as a, a team from church um, in 2019, right? Just before the pandemic. So if you go to Israel today, you will most probably visit this site. This is the Dome of the Rock. It's an, it's, right now, it's an Islamic shrine located on the Temple Mount in the old city of Jerusalem. And it's said to be sitting on top of the site of the second Jewish temple, which was actually destroyed by the Romans completely in 70 CE. And that's about 40 years after Jesus was crucified. And this second temple was the one that Jesus and the people were talking about here in this passage. If you visit this area today, you will also see the famous Western Wall. And some of us were there as well, and we took time to pray there as well. Or what some would call the Wailing Wall. 
And this wall was originally erected as part of the expansion of the Second Temple by Herod the Great. And it is known as the Wailing Wall due to the practice of Jews weeping at the site over the destruction of the temples. So the temple, the second temple, right? So what was the first temple? The first temple was originally built by King Solomon, right? After King David conquered Jerusalem and made it his capital. But this temple was destroyed in 587 BCE by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. And after destroying it completely, he deported all the Jews to Babylon. And it took them... 70 years of exile in Babylon. All of them, they had to leave Jerusalem. They were moved to Babylon. And after 70 years, the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem under an edict issued by King Cyrus of Persia. And so once the Jews returned to Jerusalem, they rejoiced at their homecoming. And they started building the second temple, which was at that time quite a modest kind of structure, right, compared to the first temple that had gold and all sorts of things. So many, many years later, King Herod decided to do a massive renovation project under his campaign, Make Judea Great Again. And so he decided he would pour in immense resources, all sorts of money, to refurbish and expand the temple and the surrounding area. And this was all happening during Jesus' time. And the temple was beautiful. It was stunning. It was huge. Some scholars estimate that the outer court itself could hold 400,000 people. That's bigger than some concert venues, right, that we have in the world today. The temple was impressive as a building that honours the God who alone is God should be. And so the people were gathered around they were admiring the stones and the gifts that had been dedicated to God at the temple when Jesus delivered that horrible news. He said this temple that the people were so awed by would soon be completely destroyed. Standing next to this grand structure that exudes an air of invincibility, Jesus gives an unimaginable response. He says, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. How can that be? The people who heard what Jesus said must have been shocked. How could something so beautiful, so permanent looking, be destroyed so thoroughly? I mean, this wasn't just any building or monument. To the Jews, this was the centre of their faith, the sacred place that represented God's presence to them. Why would God allow something like this to happen? Because of what Jesus was foretelling in this passage, this Luke text is known as apocalyptic literature. But the word apocalypse carries many images and meanings to our modern minds, right? You hear it a lot, right? In media, in movies. So I wanted to ask you, what images come to mind when you think of the apocalypse? Right? You see this a lot, right? In movies, you see it in drama series. What comes to your mind, all right, when you think about 
the word apocalypse, <laughs> right? I was waiting for that. Zombies, yes! Right, the zombie apocalypse. Destruction, environmental destruction, yeah. Massive refugee exodus. Tsunamis, end of the world, right? Often we talk about apocalypse, what comes to our mind? End of the world. Earthquakes, dark skies, the sky splitting open. Mainly zombies and destruction, right? <laughs> Are the two main images that right? come to people's minds, right? The crowd crush. Yeah. Days of reckoning, yeah. Upside down world. Death everywhere. Wow, right? So many of those images come to our minds. News and media often use the word apocalypse to mean a large-scale catastrophe or disaster. Right? And we, of course, also have movies about the zombie apocalypse, right? That's why you see that very big there. Apocalypse can also be a theological way of talking. It sometimes refers to the end of the world or the end point of history in Christianity. Right? And that's why sometimes people link that together too. But in fact, the word apocalypse means something quite different. Do you know what it means? We kind of know what images come to mind, but do you know what it means? Apocalypse actually means an unveiling, a revelation. And that's why the book of Revelation, right? A revelation. And that's what the apocalypse means. It is a disclosure of something secret and hidden. Unveiling. So Debbie Thomas says, to experience an apocalypse is to experience fresh sight, new sight, honest disclosure, accurate revelation. It is to apprehend, to understand, to grasp reality as we've never apprehended it before. So in this sense, what Jesus offers his disciples is an apocalyptic vision. He's actually inviting them to look beyond the grandeur of the temple, to look beyond the superficial, and to put their ultimate hope in God, who they cannot see. Instead of these massive human constructions that we all tend to be so wowed by, right? In fact, just before this passage, we see Jesus observing the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury in Luke 21, verse 1 to 4. And... What he said was he commanded the poor widow who put in two small copper coins. Remember that? He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. Jesus sees things differently. He is able to look beyond the material and the superficial and to see one's heart. And therefore, he's inviting us to have different eyes. As for these things that you see, the days will come when all will be thrown down. Instead, Jesus is inviting us to see beyond what is on the surface, beyond what we humans usually find impressive and trustworthy, so we may learn to see and to trust God's heart. As human beings, we want something tangible to hold on to, 
something that we can see, something that we can touch. But God is spirit. And it takes spiritual senses to see and feel God. And admittedly, that is not always easy, right? And this is one of the reasons why we gather as community. Because Jesus said in John 13, 35, the world will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. That's how the world will see. That's how you will know when you have love for one another. And while it's helpful, of course, to have a place to worship together as a community, Jesus is telling his followers in our passage today that ultimately, the temple that they valued so much, that they revered so much, is only a building that is temporary. But God's spirit is eternal. And that's what we should be focusing our eyes and our energy on. In the example of the poor widow, Jesus also modeled what it means to see others beyond the superficial and to see their heart. When we are able to see and value beyond the superficial, that is one step. One step towards helping us have hope amidst catastrophe. Do you know that the word Luke uses to describe the utter destruction of a temple, kataluo in Greek, is the same word from which we derive the word catastrophe, destruction. And this is very apt because catastrophe is a term that describes what happens when all that we have put our trust in is utterly destroyed. And so this text is encouraging us to trust in the one who is eternal and cannot be destroyed. So I want to pause here and ask you a reflection question. If you were honest with yourself, and it's okay to be honest here because it's anonymous, huh? nobody will know who put the answer there, right? Who or what do you currently put your trust in? I know Christians will like say, oh yes, I trust in God. Yeah, okay, I know, I hope so. But if you are truly honest with yourself, who, <laughs> thank you, thank God. <laughs> and God should be part of that equation, right? I hope so. But who or what do you currently put your trust in? <laughs> the Singapore government, fantastic. <laughs> Myself, I see. Yes, money. Oh yeah, absolutely, right? Without money, how are you going to survive, right? My dog, yeah. I have a dog too, I understand. My family, my work, right? So God and myself and money, quite, quite big uh, components there, right? Uh, something that we, many of us share, right? If we were honest with ourselves. Like my common sense, my achievements in God's providence, in Jesus, in the church, in actions, not words. The East Coast plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> In future planning, right? And if you really think about it, what do we put our trust in? And who do we put our trust in? It's usually not just one entity, right? There are just many, many things, and that is fine. You see, there's nothing wrong with trusting ourselves, with trusting our family, our friends, our loved ones. I think we should be able to trust ourselves and the people we care about. It is a good thing. However, 
the question is, in comparison to how much you trust humans or institutions, or the East Coast plan, how much do you trust in God? How much do you really trust in God? And is your relationship with God one that is growing in trust over time? Or is it going backwards? And if it is not a relationship that is growing in trust over time, why not? What's going on there? And how can we help? Learn to trust in the one who loves you beyond measure. The eternal one who cannot be destroyed. Then learn to see others the way Jesus does. Jesus doesn't look at their external attractiveness, their success or their wealth. Jesus looks at the heart. And can we learn to see and trust God's heart? Can we learn to look beyond the surface and see the hearts of people the way Jesus does? Secondly, Jesus says it's important to develop the discernment to know who it is that we follow. He says, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. You see, this point is closely connected with our first point. When we're able to see beyond the material and the superficial, when we are better able to see the heart of God in others, we will develop the discernment to know who it is that we follow. As Christians, we often say we are following Christ. But do you really? Are you truly following Christ in the things that you do and say, in the life that you live? Do you trust God's heart more and more? Or are you easily swayed by the messages you hear from various sources about disasters and the end of the world? Throughout history, we have had no lack of false prophets who say, the end is near, or we know who the Antichrist is, or the world will end on this specific date. Right? Remember all the many different ones, etc. And some have believed these false prophets to their detriment. When Jesus told his followers about the imminent destruction of the temple, the first question they asked him was, when? When would the catastrophe happen? And then they asked, what are the signs? See, we human beings, we continue to be obsessed about the when, when, and the signs. And that's why there are many false prophets, because we are constantly trying to predict when the end of the world will take place and the signs that will help alert us to that. But Jesus doesn't really answer their question of when. Notice, right? Instead, he warns them not to be led astray and to not be afraid when they hear of wars and insurrections. He says, do not be afraid for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. We want to know the end times and when it is. But Jesus is essentially saying, knowing when is actually not what's most important. What's most important is knowing what you need to do in the face of catastrophe. Because these things will happen. But how can you have hope even in the midst of catastrophe? 
So first, we need to see beyond what is on the surface so we can learn to see and trust God's heart. And then we need to learn to look beyond the surface and see the hearts of people the way Jesus does. And once we're able to see, then we're able to develop the discernment to know who it is that we follow. And lastly, the willingness to testify at every opportunity because Jesus will give us the words and the wisdom we need and the deep assurance that we will not perish. You see, the interesting thing about testifying is that it not only benefits the people who hear us, but I think it helps strengthen our own hearts too, right? When we give voice to, when we articulate who God is in our lives and all that God has done for us, it strengthens our hearts too. You see, our testimony, our witness is important because many in the world can only see the tangible, the temple, the beautiful stones. And that's what draws them. But God needs us to be the eyes and the voice of the gospel. When the world and those who have the loudest voices in it seem to only care about the externals, the impermanent, we are called to have a vision that can perceive God's hand at work, even when things around us seem to be crumbling down. We are called to testify to the hope we have in God. And in times when we question how we will testify or where we will find the words for our witness, Jesus reminds us, don't worry. I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. So we see, we discern, we testify. In order to testify, we need to first be able to see beyond the surface and to trust God's heart. And then we develop the discernment to know the one that we follow. And finally, to testify to who God is and what God has done. The reality is, we will face challenges in this life. And for the disciples, some face betrayal, persecution, and even death. And Jesus certainly didn't mince his words when he was telling them what was going to happen. So you'll be betrayed, even by parents and siblings, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. And we know that historically that this was true, that many of the early Christians were put to death. And it sounds almost contradictory when Jesus says, they will put some of you to death, and then he says, but not a hair of your head will perish. What does he mean? Physical death does not equal to perishing. Physical death is not the same as perishing. We will all physically die at some point, and that's a fact. But our souls can be very alive, even in the face of death. And that is Jesus' assurance and promise to us. You may be hated, you may be betrayed, you may even face death, but you will not perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Your souls will remain alive till the end of time. Tembi Locke, 
the author of From Scratch, a memoir about finding love, experiencing loss and the death of her husband, said this, Any conversation about death is really a disguised conversation about living. Any conversation about death is about how we want to live our lives. It's an invitation to talk about how we are living, how we want to live our lives, and what we want to leave behind. Right? Who you are and the impact you have will not perish. What you leave behind will not perish. Your soul will not perish. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples how to live with hope, even in the midst of the catastrophic circumstances that they will experience. Not may experience, they will experience. And perhaps for us, we might not experience the same kinds of persecutions and catastrophes like the disciples did. But we will certainly experience our own kinds of catastrophes. And my prayer for you is that you will always find hope amidst catastrophe with God's help. These three points may sound like a simplistic formula. And I know that they are not the be-all and end-all of what it means to have hope. I know catastrophes are hard. And that these three points will not be enough. But I hope it will at least provide a framework for you to start on when everything around you feels dark and difficult and you don't even know where to begin. Like the early disciples of Jesus, may we, as the body of Christ, carry hope within us, even in the most difficult circumstances, as we develop eyes to see beyond the superficial, the discernment to know who it is that we follow, and the willingness to always testify of who God is and what God has done. Amen. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are all not physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table represents no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not even have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Together, God of mercy and justice, be with us. We lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love, because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared your stories of mercy, of how you gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, 
of how you gave freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcasts, and peace to the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner, and those who provided food, shelter, and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts we are shared to share to the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In mercy, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose the corrupt system. On the night, he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him. He protested by sharing a meal with his friend. There, he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilt blood every time they drank wine. Together. But, but that, that wasn't, wasn't all. all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread and juice that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May I invite the stewards to distribute the elements, please.
Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. I invite you to stand if you are willing and able for the prayer of communion. Together, God, God through this meal, we, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Pastor Pauline, for the sermon to challenge us to see, discern and testify. I think for myself, I'll, just, I'll be stuck at the first stage of seeing already. Because, I mean, we are all superficial beings. The first things we see is everything that is on the surface. How many of us can we say that, you know, there's one or two or a few people in the world that we reveal our true selves to, especially in church where we always come in our Sunday best. And then we come and share Oh, the week has gone well. God has been very faithful. Uh, God has blessed me with many things. But when the days are dark and we have really horrible thoughts, are we willing to share it with people in this congregation? Your cell group? Your pastors? Or we are so afraid that, you know, with this, people might actually turn and reject from you and reject us for who we truly are. But one of the quote about love, or a definition of love that I really like, that I've read recently, is that love is giving the other person the power to hurt you, but trusting that the other person will not. So as a community of followers in Christ, how do we make this truly a church and not just a place where we come and then we say hi, we say bye, but we are not willing to share and walk life together. So indeed, welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first, realize everyone's equal. You are welcome regardless of your gender identity, your sexual orientation, your social economic status. You are welcome as you are. We cannot promise not to hurt you, but we try our very best to give you a safe space where you can call this place your home. So if you're new to us, or you really do not know our community very well yet, uh, allow us to stay in touch with you. Uh, leave us your details at fcc.ly slash welcome. Someone will reach out to you. Every month we have a newcomers meeting. This month's newcomers meeting will be next Sunday on 20th November, immediately after service. This newcomers meeting allows you to meet with the pastors, meet with some of the leaders of the church, where you can try to kind of find out uh, what FCC stands for, what FCC wants to do, and whether you can find yourself uh, 
sticking your feet in and really like uh, 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 staying root in this community. So you may scan the QR code and send an, in, send an email to info at freecomchurch.org uh, to indicate your interest to take part in the newcomers meeting. So for FCC to survive for so long uh, is due to the generosity of everybody who has given to us. So we have actually got two accounts. One is the general fund and one is the building fund. Uh, the general fund is for the salaries of our staff and everything else. The building fund is for the paying off the mortgage and also starting to build up the mortgage for build up a fund, a reserve fund for the next place that we may need to purchase after 16 more years left on this list. So you may give by pay now, by scanning those two QR codes, or you may give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, giving by credit card only gives to a general fund, and there's a platform fee of 1.5% charged. Let us now pray and give thanks. God, indeed, we give thanks to you, for you are our creator, and you are the one who really see us for who we are. No matter how we try to run and hide, we know that you see us and you still love us. And in response to this love, God, we give of our finances, we give of our time, we give of our effort. But we give not in the hope of receiving anything else from you, but really in the hope that more and more in this world will see your love for them that your kingdom may already be here instead of this world of catastrophe that we are seeing at this moment. That where you are, there will be love. And where you are, that we will be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your voice to tell of your love to the rest who have yet to know you. In Jesus' most precious name we pray and give thanks. Amen. So for those on site, if you'd like to drop uh, something into the collection bag, you may just raise your hands and the stewards will come to you. So, the once a year annual general meeting of FCC is coming soon. It will be on, held on 27th of November 2022. Uh, yeah, from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Alright, so at the annual general meeting, the members of the church gets to vote for the board, gets to vote on the budget. And for this year, we will be changing a few bylaws. So, you may come and then uh, take part in the voting for members of the church. If you are not a member of the church yet, you are also welcome to join us on the, at the general annual meeting to hear of our plans for 2023 and how we want to go ahead. And then maybe after joining the AGM, you might consider becoming a member if you want to vote <laughs> next year. All right. Uh, TMART is back. TMART, we support TMART. We've been supporting TMART for many years. Uh, this is uh, support for the transgender community uh, who may be out of job or have no place to stay. So we often uh, group buy things for them. So if you'd like to find out more info and how you can donate, you can go to freecomchurch.org slash t-mart. The closing date for t-mart for this collection is actually on 20th of November. Uh, and then the delivery date will be on the 27th. If you have any queries, you may send a message and contact Wendy 
at the phone number listed. Join the production ministry. I think uh, throughout the pandemic, we have been trying to uh, doing the live broadcast every Sunday. And for next year onwards, we want to... Oh, I see the people in the high heart. Join the production ministry, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is also on the surface. <laughs> because there's actually a lot of behind-the-scene hard work taking place just to send the service out online. And next year, uh, with us trying to ramp up live worship as uh, the society, the community actually opens up, we need more and more, more and more volunteers. Besides the visual presenters that prepare the slides and all those, and probably help out the two minutes video in front, which nobody sees and nobody realizes that there's so many information in them. Uh, we also have got uh, camera people, we also got sound people, we also got producers, we also got... Who else? Visual, sound, camera. Yeah, that's about it. But we need many, many teams because uh, we do not want the production team to get burnt out. And if, even if you have got no technical skills, you may just sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. Uh, Gary will actually do a behind the scenes and tell you all that is uh, involved in the production ministry. So please sign up. Besides the production ministry, the welcome ministry is also calling for volunteers. As more and more people come back to service on site, we need more volunteers for the welcome team. If you're interested to join the welcome team, please contact Sean Lee at the number listed or also email to info at freecomchurch.org to find out more. Lunch kakis. Lunch kakis happens every Sunday except the Sunday where there's newcomers meeting. Uh, if you want to go for lunch and you do not have somebody to join you and you want to, you know, expand your community and know a bit more about the church, not from the pastors or the leadership, but from members and friends of the church, you may stay back and go for lunch with the lunch kakis. Today's lunch kakis are Daniel and Angela. Where are you? Okay, there. Angela is there. So please go and look for them if you want to go for lunch with them. Next year, FCC is 20 years old. We are finally out of our teens already. So, <laughs> no longer young, but not too old either. 20th anniversary, uh, the special thing that we're going to do for next year's 20th anniversary is to collate a 20th anniversary book. So, we ask you to contribute your stories of FCC of between 300 to 1,000 words, or pictures or photos, anything that you want to think that is of significance to you, of significance to FCC, please send it to info at freecomchurch.org. The deadline is 31st of December this year. For this book, we are also looking for graphic designers and layout artists for the book. You also volunteer at info at freecomchurch.org. We have started from last week, I think we have a new email, pastors at freecomchurch.org because this is uh, feedback about concerns about confidentiality. If you see before all the slides, it's all info, 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 right? So info at freecomchurch.org receives many, many emails. But if you want to actually just email the pastors, pastors at freecomchurch.org, only Pastor Pauline and Pastor Myak have access to this email. And they'll try to respond to you within three to five days to set up a meeting if you have need for counselling. And members and regular attendees of FCC will be prioritised. So this is one of the membership privilege. Besides voting. And that's not a privilege. Okay? But please note that this email address is not an emergency service. Your pastors are not there 24-7 just to answer that email. Alright? So... 
send an email, give them time to respond to you. They will reach out to you. But of course, if you need really like urgent help, they will also uh, prioritize accordingly. Now we would like to invite Pastor Miak to come out and give the benediction. May I invite you to rise as you are willing and able in body and in spirit to receive the benediction. So people of God, in times of darkness, it might be hard to see. It might be hard to have hope. And you may think that you are not enough for whatever that is required, for all the suffering that's around you, or that you are going through. But this is the promise and this is the good news that God is always with you. God will be by your side and God is always enough to weather the storms with you. And all you need to do is to just step forward and trust and lean into the love that is God. So learn to trust on your journey and in the catastrophes and the apocalypses in your life. And when you get through those storms, may you testify to God's abiding love and presence so that others too can learn to trust in the love and in the of God and the good news that we are to proclaim. So go, go knowing that you're beloved always and know that God is always with you. Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good week ahead. <laughs>